Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. And today I've got one of my pastoral residents with me. I got Bryson Amex. How's it going? And we got our deacon of worship, Joel Bickford. Hello. Back by popular demand. I don't think anyone demanded for me. Someone to named Julia said you had a steamy voice and <laughs> wanted to hear it on the podcast more. <clears throat> so today we're going to be doing a little bit of a book review and a whole lot of talking about porn. Um, first off, I'll just say the book. I just finished reading this last week or a couple weeks ago. And it's called uh, More Than a Battle by Joe Rigney. I think this is the best book on um, how to experience victory, freedom, and healing from lust um, that I've ever read. Joe Rigney is a PhD from University of Chester. He serves as assistant professor of theology and literature at Bethlehem College and Seminary. So that's in, you know, we would know that as John Piper's Mm -hmm. church, was just John Piper's church. I've read a couple of his other books that I really liked. Uh, The Things of This Earth was amazing uh, in 2015. But now he's he's attempting to help men and women get free of lust. And um, that is an important topic to talk about because um, we are drowning in porn. Right. Um, first time I ever experienced pornography, my brother and I were hiking through the woods and we stumbled upon a fort, like a little man-made fort out of, you know, just like logs and stuff, but it was pretty sweet. And we went inside and they had, a, they had like a chest inside and we opened this chest and it was full of playboys, mm. right? It was the first time my, you know, my mind had ever seen, you know, naked flesh like that. And how old were you? Uh, probably either junior high or like sixth grade or something around there, but probably around junior high, Mm. Uh, probably junior high. Yeah. And, um, you know, never, if we were watching a movie or something, my mom would say, Hey, turn your head, turn your head, you know, or something like that. Uh, but I'd never seen it, and um, and and so that was junior high. Now, obviously, that's late now. Yeah, I was just thinking that that's late. You know, um, we just had, you know, I just heard la- last week, uh, you know, a second grader asked another second grader for naked pictures of of themselves of herself. Um, kids are viewing porn. Uh, wait, so I didn't, I, I, (laughs) this is, you guys know, I don't consider myself old. I don't think of myself old. I I feel pretty good, pretty capable most of the time until I say something like this. The internet didn't exist when I was in junior high. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. And so now we legitimately, um, have, instant access to pornography at all times. And parents um, who don't know any better 
or do know better and they're super, super foolish, give their kids um, cell phones, eight, nine, ten years old, and they're one, one uh, salty Google search away from stumbling into the devil's harem, mm-hmm. basically. So what about you guys? How, how early were you when you first experienced uh, porn? I bet it was fourth grade. I don't know how old that would make me. I was held back in the third grade, so I was trying to figure out the age. Yeah, fourth grade. Yeah, I can remember it was a kind of a less supervised home. A, a friend of mine who had two older brothers, computers all over the place, pay-per-view TV all over the place, you know, all the freedom in the world when we went over there. And, uh, yeah. Sad. They introduced you to it? Or what? Yeah. Yeah. It just seemed kind of like commonplace over there. Or like, like my friend knew it was sneaky. Yeah. But like, you know, his brothers kind of knew like Mm -hmm. it was there. It wasn't, it wasn't super hidden, you know? Yeah. About you, Bryce? Yeah. Um, I think looking back, it was probably sooner. Um, but if I could like pinpoint an exact moment, Probably like fifth grade, uh, an older kid told me to go home and look up something on the internet. I just listened to him, uh, and was <laughs> confused. I think my parents. I was our, confused. <laughs> our computer was like right in the middle of everything, and so like I'm pretty sure my parents were home, and like they weren't looking at what I was looking at until like they saw what was on the screen, and mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Um, yeah, so it's happening earlier. It's, it's people, some people say like (laughs) pornography, like runs the internet. Like it's, it's what funds the internet. It's what, you know, it's what half feels like half of the internet is pornography. Um, there's many different ways people get caught up in it. And, uh, and so, and it's, uh, ruining a lot of men's lives, period. And a lot of men um, feel bad about it. They feel guilty about it. And um, and they want to get free. They want to get free from it. And some men are just tired of fighting the battle. And so they just give into it, you know. And this is what, like, Joe Rogan and people like that, they're always like, it's no big deal. Just do it, man. Then you don't have to worry about it. Just, you know, look mm-hmm. at porn and masturbate and you don't have to worry about it. It's off your, you know, it's off your to-do list for today. Hmm. and um, that's not the position of a Christian so um, I'm always looking for resources to help people get free uh, men and women get free from um, the really the the addiction and uh, pain of porn so Joe Rigney has written a good book uh, to serve us in that battle and he's calling it more than a battle because he wants he wants us to understand that it's not just like kill your flesh, kill your flesh, kill your flesh, fight, fight, fight. Because something about that is really it, when you fail so many times, something about that is like defeatist, and mm. then you just kind of be like, okay, I'm never going to win this battle, right. and you give up. And so in the book, he he kind of begins by giving <clears throat> a helpful um, three, basically three lenses to view pornography uh, through or sexual, and not just pornography, pornography, lust, sexual sin, you know, 
Um, you can lust like Game of Thrones is pornography. Sure. If you're not using a, a filter and you're watching all, all those scenes, that's pornography. That's yeah. sexual sin. That's it's we're not just talking about like, you know, hardcore stuff or whatever. You know, it's Jesus said we're not, you know, not even to lust in our hearts, right? Against our, uh, um, other women. So he talks about three lenses to look at sexual sin. One, sexual sin as immorality. Um, I can just read it here. This approach accents our culpability and wickedness in pursuing sinful pleasures as we are willingly led astray by our sinful desires. Our aim in the struggle is to renounce evil desires, repent of shameful actions, and put to death the deeds of the body. The fundamental call is to fight a war against sinful passions. So that's the fight, that's the battle, that's sexual sin as immorality. But second category or second lens, he says, sexual sin as addiction. This approach accents the bodily and enslaving dimension of the struggle as chemicals and hormones hijack and rewire our brains. Our aim is to unmask the lies of sexual addiction, to seek freedom from destructive patterns, and to break the habits that enslave us. The fundamental call is to struggle for liberation from sin's mastery. Okay, so the first one was fighting the battle. This one is a call to struggle for liberation from sin's mastery. Mm. So I don't want to let sin be my master anymore. And when I give myself over to sin, it becomes my master. So this is this this we see as well sexual sin as addiction. Okay, it's something we have have to constantly um, be be uh, struggling with. Third, sexual sin as brokenness. This approach <clears throat> accents the deep wounds sexual dysfunction reveals. So there's something underneath the, the lust that's driving it. We pursue, we pursue short-term sexual pleasure as a way of coping with unmet needs, family dysfunction, trauma, and abuse. Our aim in the struggle is to pursue renewal and transformation by re-narrating our stories gospeling ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, being gospeled by others, and repairing the ruins of past pains and sorrows. The fundamental call is to heal the wounds of our sexual brokenness. So what I like about this, and he, he's, he's basically taking all three approaches or all three lenses, and he's saying we have to fight on all, he doesn't use the battle language, but we mm -hmm. have to approach these with all three lenses in mind. It's not just a fight, and it's not just an addiction, and it's not just brokenness, because most people want to, isolate that and just make it one cause. He's like, no, it's all three of them and we need a nuanced approach, um, a well-rounded approach when, when we're trying to, to get free from brokenness. Yeah. And so I, I think it's a really yeah. helpful um, <clears throat> kind of taxonomy that, that, that helps um, see the three fronts that we kind of have to, to fight on. Maybe you're going to get into this, but what's the... Um what would be the danger of isolating any one of those three as the <clears throat> only problem? So just think about, well, there's a lot of them, but think about if the enemy is attacking you from three sides, mm -hmm. like you can't just focus on one, right? You, you have to protect yourself from all, all three angles. That's one of them. Also, um, you're going to leave out. So, if you're just trying to fight, 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 but you never get to why, what's underneath you, 
what's underneath the thing that's driving you to, to want to do it. Um, we, we will get to it when, when he talks about the deeper war. Mm-hmm. There's a chapter he calls the deeper war, that the battle is deeper than you think it is. Wow. Like there's, you know, there's stuff going on in your soul. You have unmet needs in your soul. And instead of going to the source of those needs, God himself or reconciliation or with your wife or whatever, instead of going where God has told you to go to meet those needs, you try to shortcut, shortcut the approach and meet them yourself. And you're actually not going to, you're actually not um, meeting it yourself. Yeah. Um, but we're going to get to a, yeah, I'm, I'm, okay. we're going to get to a couple more because there's actually, yeah, there's really good reasons why he says you have to keep all three focuses in mind. But his key text, and this is a good, one of the good things I like about uh, the book is it's gospel-centered, right? It's not legalistic. It's not, um, you know, doesn't beat you up, make you f- just feel guilty and feel like a loser. It's gospel-centered. And so kind of his key text <clears throat> is um, Galatians 5, uh, 16 and 17. He says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Then he goes into the long list here. Now the works of the flesh are evident. He's he's about to go on the long list. Sins, sins are like grapes. They come in bunches, okay? Mm-hmm. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. <clears throat> He's long list of things, okay? But the whole point is to walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh, okay? That's, that's the point. That's the gospel-centered. Like, you've been given the Holy Spirit, so now you have power to not uh, give in to the flesh, right? And, and lust and sexual morality is giving into the flesh. And so it's, it's a gospel-centered approach. How do I walk by the Spirit? How do I train my body to walk by the Spirit, Right? And it's, it's, it's interesting, um, the kind of the metaphor he uses in there, it's from uh, Jonathan Haidt, or Haidt, H-A-I-D-T, a sociologist, American sociologist, has written a couple books. Um, but he, he talks about the brain, and there's a higher intellect and a lower intellect in our brain. And he uses the analogy of... Um, Think of a rider and an elephant, okay? Our higher intellect is the rider. Our lower intellect is, which is our desires, which is the stuff that we can't, it's like hard to, why do I want that? Why do I, Paul would call it the flesh, (laughs) okay? That's the elephant, okay? Now, like a huge elephant with the appropriate training and patience and discipline and all that kind of stuff, that rider can train that elephant to pretty much do whatever he wants it to do, Hmm. right? But without training, 
like you just jump on the back of an elephant and well, guess what? It's going to take you wherever it wants to go. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And so that's the analogy. The analogy is when you're saved, God has put his spirit in you and here's his spirit is in your, your intellect or whatever it's in, you know, it's, you've been uh, redeemed, but you still have sinful flesh. You still have the flesh. The flesh is still that, uh, what that elephant, right? But now through the spirit, you have to, and, and through like, you know, through, through the spirit, you have to learn to train the elephant. Yeah. Okay. Um, first Corinthians nine, Paul says something pretty, uh, interesting here. He says, um, it's in nine twenty seven. He says this, <clears throat> so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. And I, it really ticks me off at the way the ESV translated this, but at least they have the little asterisk, okay? <clears throat> it says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I should be disqualified. I discipline my body. This is the actual Greek. There's an asterisk in the ESV, so you can see it. I pummel my body and make it a slave. Mm-hmm. I pummel my body <clears throat> and make it a slave. So Paul says, I have disciplined myself in such a way that I have pummeled my body and made it my slave. That's, he's literally saying, I've tamed the flesh. I've tamed the elephant, right? I can make the, I, I am in control of my body, right? And that's the goal for the Christian man. The goal for the Christian man is to pummel our body and make it our slave. So it's, so the desires of the flesh aren't, um, driving us nonstop. Yes. Right. So when you see, when you're watching a movie and the thought pops into your mind, I wonder what she looks like naked. And you know, you could Google that and pop, and there's probably a, a good chance that you could find it. Yeah. You, have the control, the self-control and the discipline to pummel your body and say, no body, we're not giving into that, right? That's, that doesn't honor God. That doesn't honor my, honor my wife or my future wife. And that's actually a sin. If I do that, that would be a sin against my own body. Paul talks about, yeah. right? Um, so let me flip back over. Paul says this in first Corinthians six, something interesting, <clears throat> He says in 1 Corinthians 6, the body is not meant for sexual morality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And it goes down a little ways. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And then, you know, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So Paul says, when we sin sexually, we're sinning against our body. Now, this is interesting. Um, Rigney says, the term Rigney uses, 
porn and sexual morality weaponizes our body. It weaponizes our body. Mm. Um, yeah. Wow. And this is what he means by that. I got. I'm going to read it it's from. Uh, he says, looking at pornography triggers neurological, chemical, and hormonal events that leave a mark on the brain. Frequent use hardens the neural pathways and molds the brain so that it craves porn. This isn't just unique to porn. Alcohol, drugs, video games, smartphones, food, all of these can do the same. But porn is somewhat unique in that it is a polydrug, meaning it's both an upper, a dopamine high like cocaine, and Mm. a downer, an opiate release like heroin. So what what he's saying there is... When you use porn, it forms your brain in such a way that it craves porn and that it, you're going to be thinking about it all the time. You're going to get like put in this cycle that you, that you can't get out of because of um, the way it, like all the neurological stuff and all the stuff that it does um, to your body, like Pavlov, Pavlov's dogs. You know, every time you're alone by yourself, boom, you're going to naturally want to do it. And it's got, it's got legitimately like, so neurological things, chemical stuff that's going on, hormonal things. And so it, it, it turns you into an addict. So your own body like betrays you basically. Mm. You know what I mean? So like spiritually, you could be like, oh Lord, please help me. I don't want to sin. I don't want to sin. But you've weaponized your body in such a way that it's, um, it's like it's become a habit for you, yeah. right? More than just a habit because there's like grooves in your brain. And so to, to fight that, you, you're going to have to do some things because it's in your body. You know what I mean? You're going to have to do some things that might seem legalistic to you. It's, like, it's just like if you're overweight and you've got bad knees and you've got all this kind of stuff... Um, there's things like you can't just pray your way out of that. Right. Your body has been formed and shaped into a certain type of person. And it's going to be, your body's going to have to be reshaped to get out of that. Well, the same thing goes for porn. You are addicted to it right now. Right. And your body's been weaponized. And so it's going to take more than just, you know, Accountability. It's going to take more than just uh, willpower. It's going to take you doing something different with your body that puts different grooves in your brain. Yeah. Um, What does that look like? What do you? I mean, so I hear you saying like you 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 created this habit. You and then this habit turned into more than a habit. Turned into an addiction. So maybe what what are some of those? I mean, other than just stop it, like what, yeah. what, what are the habits that replace that, that rehabituate you towards, can you undo those grooves in the brain? That's great. Yes. Because of neuroplasticity and our brain being, you know, like plastic, it's moldable. Yes. You can, un, you can absolutely undo those, um, grooves in the brain, but it's going to take just like an overweight person can get on a, a weight loss program and start working out and their body changes, doesn't it? Yeah. It doesn't matter how, how overweight they've been and how lazy they've been. If they get to work, 
you know, on the right diet, their body will change. The same thing goes with your brain. But what this, here's the deal. This is what he talks about. He talks about like the first two steps. Actually, maybe I could say three. <clears throat> the first step, you have to want to get out of it. Yeah. If you don't want to get out of it, you'll never get out of it. You actually have to hate this, hate the sin and want to quit. Um, or you're like St. Augustine who said, who would pray, um, before he was converted, he would pray, um, you know, Lord, what was it? It was something like, Lord, make me faithful, but not yet. (laughs) Like, cause he wanted to sleep around, Mm -hmm. you know, like I want to be, I kind of want to be, but not yet. You know, I want to sleep around right now. Then you're not ready. Yeah. You're, you're, and you're not going to get free. So you have to want to get free. Secondly, you have to have, um, well, more than likely, you're going to have to have some male accountability. And, and I don't mean like accountability groups, like slap you on the hand, you have to pay $5. I mean a, a gospeled man who can help work through this book, like more, more than a battle, work through this together. He can um, help you see areas in your heart that you're not believing the gospel, but also that you are going to confess to him every time you look at porn. You're not going to say things like, oh, I'm struggling today, or I struggled yesterday. Yeah. You're going to say things like, I looked at porn and masturbated mm-hmm. yesterday or today or whatever. And you're going to confess it. And he's going to remind you of the gospel and, um, and, keep, and, you know, and keep, keep moving forward. Get back on the, get back on, uh, the elephant and let's work, we're going to tame this elephant together. Um, there's a lot of good tips in, in this book for that. But then one way to know if you're really ready if you really want freedom, and this is where you should start with that, with that, um, male accountability is you have to set up, um, artificial boundaries. And this is where the part that might sound a little legalistic because we hear any like kind of hard and fast rules is like, that's not grace. That's a, but your body has been weaponized. You've got, so there's no way, like, it's like a, if you're addicted to alcohol, you're, you can't, most of the time, it's bad. You can't just stop that. Yeah. Right? You're literally, would k- could kill yourself. That's you why become you your own worst enemy. And how are you, how you going to, yeah, it's a struggle within yourself. That That's a, but, a conflict of interest almost. Like, it is a conflict yeah. of interest. But also, medically, like, you might have to go and get treatment. Mm-hmm. Because if you came off of it, you would your body would react neg- negatively to it, right? The same thing can happen with, with porn, Okay. Yeah. And so what you have to do is you have to set up artificial boundaries and the artificial boundaries will tell you if they're ready to, to get free or not. So you say something like, okay, no internet use at all when you're alone or no cell phone use. You need, you need to get rid of your cell phone. Oh, I, I can't, you know, I, I need to be. you need to be off Facebook. You need, you know, like hard and fast. No, like, because if you don't go hard and fast, when you're weak, when you're feeling weak at yeah. 9 p.m., you're going to Google the thing. You're going to go to that website you always go to. You're going to do it. Maybe it means you have to turn your computer over to somebody. Maybe it's not just uh, put software on your computer. It's, it's not that. Where you could try to do it, but you're not allowed to do it by a, by a thing. Yeah. You're still trying to look at porn, mm-hmm. and so you're not getting free of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you, you've got to get rid of 
the temptation for a while, like make it impossible, almost impossible for you to, to -hmm. look at the, to look at the stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's going to hurt. That means, yeah, you can't watch your show or something, or you, you won't see your friends or you won't be, you know, whatever you have to make sacrifices. But if you're not ready to do that, then you're not ready to get free from porn. Yeah. You know? Um, and so that's how you can kind of, that's how in the very beginning you reverse the porn weaponizing the body. Okay. If you know it's at 9 p.m., okay, then at, is when you always struggle. Okay, 9 p.m., I'm going for a run. You're, you're creating new grooves in your brain. Yeah. Um, you know, or 9 p.m., I'm studying my Bible. You know, you're, you're, when you normally would look at porn, now you're doing something that's good for your body. Yeah. Right? And so... You know, Paul again says, whatever we give ourselves over to, whether it's the spirit or whether it's the flesh, we become a slave to that thing, right? And so this is a way that we can literally pummel our body and make it our slave. Um, And we are are not a slave to our body. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing just in response to that, that I like about that is... I mean, I think, I mean, not to knock all like accountability software, if it's like, I, I don't even know how it works, like send you an e- send somebody accountability partner, like an email. Mm-hmm. I think a piece of what's keeping you from doing it isn't necessarily a godly grief or it, it almost feels like I just don't want to be shamed. Yep. And, and so that, that's not a great motivator. It's not. It doesn't lead to the same sort of self-examination that would happen if, whoa, whoa I'm feeling that now. Okay, but I've set that phone aside or I've set the thing. And it also makes your friend into like a watchdog. Yeah. And and like you're not going to your friend and say, hey, brother, I sinned. I looked at pornography. I masturbated. I'm confessing it to you. And I've already confessed it to God. I'm confessing it to you because right. you're my brother. No, you're if that's not happening. You're getting an email saying, look what he already looked at. There, there might even be links which, yeah, which would yeah. tempt you to even right. look at it. And now you have to go to your brother and say, hey, dude, I saw, I got this report, you know, like, I saw you looked at porn. Right. He's not coming to you confessing. You're going to him as a watchdog. Yes. So it's not, it's not near as good. Yeah. Um, and these artificial boundaries, they need to be like, you know, maybe it's 30 days, maybe it's two weeks, but they're, they're, they're hard and fast. They're absolute, but they're temporary. You're not, we're not saying go without a phone forever. We're saying put it away for 30 days, reprogram your mind and or whatever, however, whatever the timeline mm-hmm. is, reprogram your mind so you you are now um, have pummeled your body in such a way that the rider is in control of the elephant. And when the temptation comes back, you actually have the self-control to say, nope, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And you've reprogrammed your brain to go for a run. You yeah. know, that's one of the things that um, he talks about in there. It's like, if you're, if you're sitting there doing nothing and you're being, like, mentally attacked by these thoughts, go for a run. Yeah. Get out of the house. Yeah. Go do something. Yes, I remember, this was 11 years ago, but one of the most helpful things that you ever discipled me in, I remember I was in Omaha, we were talking about something around pornography, and, you know, I, was, I think I said, this just feels impossible to overcome and you're like go outside do you feel you know like watching porn anymore or doing what you're doing whatever you're gonna do and i thought it was ridiculous at the time but it's not mm-hmm. because 
your environment and the places you go and hide and the places you, you know, that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's different, there's, okay, there's levels to this thing too. We want to be free of sexual immorality and you can still lost outside, you know, especially it's summertime, <laughs> some, you know, sure. girls wearing skimpy stuff running around. You're, you're still going to be tempted to lust, but, and that we, we have to train ourselves there. So we have to train our body, sure. you know, not to, not to do the double take, mm. right? Not to do the, 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 the double take. We have to train our body. We, we're not lying. So one thing, my, my wife and I are open about this. We're never lying. I, I'm, if she says, did you see that girl? I'm like, yep, I did. She's got, you know, she's set up. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not, yeah. not going to lie. Oh, I didn't see her. No, she was ugly. Or no, I didn't see anything. About, you know, mm-hmm. that's lying. Guess what? Lying's a sin too. Yeah. So, yep, saw her. Yep, she was pretty. Or, whoop, she was dressed like, you know, yeah. a street walker. Yeah. It's like, dang. Okay, so we're honest about that. But you're training your body not to do the double take, not to immediately lust, but you acknowledge it. Oh, yep. Okay. And you move on. You know what I mean? And you're not. So if you're, if the, if the elephant is in control, then you do the double take immediately. It goes to sexual fantasies immediately. It goes to deeper and deeper and deeper. And then that might lead you to, you know, Google something later or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you don't, you don't get control of the elephant. You know, the elephant's still going to want to go left yeah. when you want to go right. But if you're in control of it, you, he takes one step and you yank him back, right? And that's, that's what the spirit can enable us to do. What's the, what's the line for, like, temporarily removing something that causes you to lust or maybe are tempted to look at porn um, and, like, actually this whole thing is not good for me at all? Yeah, that's... I should, yeah, well, that, that I don't know if there's a specific line, but if you are consistently being drawn away, then you need to get rid of it. You know, bottom line, you need to get rid of it. You know, you need so I, many people. Cause like I don't see like like for me, one thing I did was take away Instagram because it was just like a cesspool of yep. sexually explicit or mm-hmm. images. So I'm like, I don't I don't anticipate Instagram being redeemed anytime soon. So. I'm just going to get rid of it. Yep. Wise. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, anything. So if you're, if you're prone to look at, uh, sexually explicit stuff on Snapchat or, uh, Instagram or YouTube or Netflix or whatever, this is what Jesus said when Jesus said, cut off your right hand or gouge out your right eye. Like that, take cut out and we're like should should i should i cut out instagram right jesus said cut out your eye don't go to hell over it you know and unchecked lust can send you to hell man unchecked lust can destroy your marriage can destroy your family so we need to be taking it serious and so take it serious enough to get rid of stuff like that that you can't stop if you can't stop the lust you know, through those things, then you got to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Well, and there's, uh, so, like, for us in here, we all have spouses, and a lot of people that are listening to this will have a spouse. Like, there is a place to express yourself sexually. Yeah. What about some of our younger brothers and sisters or people who are not married yet? What are some, 
I don't know if practical, I guess practical is the right word. But yeah. Like, so sex is, okay. I'm going to get to this in the deeper war part. I okay. wanna, let's, I'm going to go there right now because this part is fascinating to me. Um, he's got this chapter called the deeper war and he basically builds it out. Like first it's a biblical theology of, of sex. I kind of did this a few months back. Sex is meant to uh, make you husband or your husband and wife is meant to the two become one when they have sex, right? You're united in all aspects. You're united. Your names are now united. Your bank accounts are united. Your homes are united. Your bodies are united. You give them, you're giving all of yourself to each other. The only way that can happen is in marriage. Every other form of sexual connection is is keeping a part of myself separate, Mm -hmm. okay? So if I'm sleeping with my girlfriend, I'm telling her that I'm basically, she doesn't have my name, she doesn't have my protection, she doesn't have my (laughs) money, she doesn't have all those things, uh, but I'm taking her body, right? So I'm not giving my full self to her. And so it's... It's not godly, right? It's it's sinful, and and, and it's a sin against God. <clears throat> but sex is we're made to look at our why, or okay, no, we're as young men, we're made to desire a woman. That means we're built to desire someone outside of ourselves, and that desire drives us outside of ourselves in order to go out and t- two things: become a man that can get a woman. That means I want to be successful. I want to be strong. I want to clean myself and look and look decent. I want to learn manners because those women out there like manners. Yeah. I'm going to learn what it means to be a civilized man. I'm going to learn what it takes to please her. I've got to make money. I've got to learn her ways. I got to, I'm willing to do all of that because I have this desire in myself for sexual union which is marriage, and also to procreate to make children, because God says, "Go be fruitful and multiply." And the only way we're make, the only way to make babies is having sex, right? And so that's so that that's a good desire that's meant to get me out of myself and connect with a woman. And then that sexual desire leads me back to my wife over and over and over as we renew the covenant together. And I I love her more. I love her more deeply. We come to understand each other in greater and greater ways. Okay. Porn destroys that process. Yeah. In a million different ways. Because when I can satisfy myself by watching people have sex on a screen, I never get pulled out of myself. I never have, I lose ambition. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just stay home and play video games. And eat ho hos. Cause that I I'm get in my mind, I'm I'm getting laid tonight by some hot chick on the internet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I never have to sacrifice. I never have to grow up. I never have to mature. She's telling me that I'm a good man. It's make believe, but it's powerful. And this is why so many men are stuck addicted to pornography, and they they're not making something of themselves. They don't have ambition. They don't know how to get out there and and get after it. And they don't know how to talk to girls. Like Paul says, if you burn with lust, you should get, it's better to get married than burn with lust, right? What's he saying there? You have a desire to have sex, go get married. 
I had a, I burned with lust as a young man, and so I was I'm like, I was looking around, and I'm willing to walk up to a girl. Hey, how's it going? What's your name? Huh? Okay, cool. Why? Because I wanted to get married, and I wanted to have sex. You know what I mean? That made me ambitious, in a you know, in a good way. Many men, because of pornography, it's taken away their drive. It's taken away their ambition. It's taken away their courage. Yeah, they don't can't even go talk to a girl. You know, so he talks about this, and there's a couple different things that he says that are interesting in this deeper a deeper war. One, he says this: pornography seeks to gain the pleasure of satisfying a woman, without actually satisfying a woman. Let me say it again. Pornography <laughs> seeks to gain the pleasure of satisfying a woman without actually satisfying a woman. So when you're watching pornography, this is why guys like to watch her face. You think you're, she's making that face, she's, she's act, you know, she's an actor, actress, that she's being satisfied, that you're the one doing it. Like she's happy with you. She's telling you you're sexy and you're desirable and all this stuff. This and this. <clears throat> With porn, you don't have to go through the hard work of being honorable, respectable, and admirable, and winning a woman who will marry you. Instead, all you have to do is click. Mm. So, Jeez, man. right? So we have this desire for women to want us. We have this desire to be honorable. We have this desire to be admired. We want somebody to tell us we're a man. And it's hard to actually go get, become the man who is admirable. And it's hard to go find the woman who will admire us. And so we prefer to try to shortcut it mm -hmm. with a few clicks. But this also reveals the deeper war that's going on underneath pornography. And I might read this in full because I thought it was really powerful. <clears throat> it says this, this means, so basically in fantasy or in lust, you think, what you think it's saying is you're strong, you're powerful, you're desirable, I want you, I need you, you're a man. And that's arousing to men, right? That's what, that's what you find arousing, something underneath that. It's not just the flesh and the bodies. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's somebody saying, I want you, yeah. right? He says this, that means that if a man is not admired or respected in his home by his wife, children, or in the case of young men, parents, or if he is demeaned and belittled at work or at church, or if other men don't respect him, it's easy to turn to pornography for validation. So what he's saying is, if I feel like less than a man, pornography tells me I'm amazing. Wow. See how, like, <clears throat> it's kind of weaponized the body against itself, like, again. Like, I feel small, right? So I look at pornography to feel good, and then after pornography, how do I feel? Very small. Even smaller, probably. Even smaller, because yeah. of that's what that's what sex does. It releases that, you know, that uh, downer, right, after you're done. And then if you've sinned to do that, you feel horrible about yourself, right? And then you feel like even less of a man. And then, oh, man, I'm addicted to pornography, and all I do is this, I could never love a wife. I could never leave a family. What kind of man am I? I can't even overcome this stupid thing. And so it's this vicious cycle, 
right? Um, now, this is... Now, none of this excuses masturbation and pornography, right? Um, but it helps us see it from another angle, that your body's been weaponized against yourself, and so you need to get serious about it. Um, but this helps us see what's going on underneath the porn. Listen how C.S. Lewis... C.S. Lewis called this aspect of pornography and masturbation the imaginary harem. Hmm. It says this, Our sexual appetites are designed by God to take us out of ourselves, to send us into the world to find a spouse, and then to produce children and grandchildren and so forth. Sexuality, as I've said before, is meant to be fruitful. Pornography and masturbation, on the other hand, send the man back into the prison of himself, there to keep a harem of imaginary brides. So our sexuality is meant to draw, uh, push us outside of ourself to consummate in another human being, right? Our spouse. Yeah. Pornography bring that you like hijacks those desires where they now just pour back into ourselves and we send the man back into the prison of himself there to keep a harem of imaginary brides. Mm. The longer a man lives in this prison, the harder it is for him to escape. Mm. The harem in his head or on his computer is always accessible, always subservient, calls for no sacrifices or adjustments, can be endowed with erotic and psychological attractions which no women, no real women can rival. In the imaginary film that plays in his head or on the screen, he is always adored, always the perfect lover. In fact, the desire to be adored and admired as a real man is often as much a motive per, for pursuing the pornographic as any biological or bodily appetite. So what Lewis is saying is there's actually something. So we have a biological impulse to pursue you know, to have sex, to pursue a woman, right? Yeah. We have psychological addictions maybe because we've looked at pornography. But even underneath that is the desire to just be, just to feel like a real man. And pornography, because it's all fake, it's all acting, it tells us over and over and over that we're de desirable, we're a real man without actually ever saying there's something wrong with you. Wow. Like your wife will go, your breath stinks. <laughs> yeah. Go brush your teeth. <laughs> Oof, that's a downer, babe. It's reality, bro. Yeah. Uh, you better brush your teeth, take a shower. Like pornography doesn't care. I'll never tell you that. No, you can have Doritos on your chest and, you know, Cheeto fingers or whatever. It doesn't care. You, you're, you're sexy, man. You're, you're desi desirable. So we've got to get underneath that. And that means we have to do some real gospel work. What does it mean to be a real man? Right? Man, guys, listen. If you're not, if you're not a respectable, respect, respectable man, you're not going to feel like a respectable man. You, you have to do something worth respecting. Yeah. You have to make something of yourself. You have to work hard. You have to get in shape. You have to study hard. You have to become a good man to be desirable, you know, and so, or to, to keep a wife, to be a godly, godly husband. And so we have to, remind ourselves in the gospel that we're loved in Christ no matter where we're at, but we've been empowered by the Spirit to now tame this stinking elephant and 
you know, pummel our flesh and become the men that God is asking us to men to be. And I've kind of, I'm, I got men in this room. I'm speaking to men, but ladies, if you're listening, you know, uh, it goes for you, it goes for you as well. Become women that are worthy of respect, women that are worthy of honor. I was just going to ask, is that, does he say anything in the book about what that underlying desire for a woman is, or is it just this exact, the other side of the coin for women to be a desire, a woman that's pursued and desired and that? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so answer question, ask that again. What, what did you say? Well, we, we kind of, if we define kind of the thing underneath the thing for men as being, I really want to be seen and honored and acknowledged as a real yeah. man yeah. and feel that. I can't remember if he did for the ladies, but it's very easy. Like sure. she wants to be loved. She yeah. wants to be desired. Yeah. She wants to be sexy and, yeah. you know, be wanted. Um, she wants to be needed. She wants all of that. Right. Yeah. And so all of that's under there too. Yeah. And so if you, and we also, you know, like she wants the affection of a man. If her father, this is why they call, call it daddy issues, right? Like if you didn't get it from your father, you're probably going to go out there and try to get that, that attention from, 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 yeah. s- from someone else, some other man. Right. Um, and so that's why, um, one of the reasons women, women get into it, or sometimes it's like they want that boy to like them. He wants nudes. So she really wants that boy to like her. So she'll send him nudes, which is pornography. And he'll, yeah. you know, he does the same thing. So anyways, this book is, uh, really helpful. Uh, it would be helpful to work through with your, um, with your fight club. It's got like notes to mentors in here. It's got speaking to, uh, young men speaking. To, oh, you asked about, about young men. So because married men and women have an outlet. <clears throat> uh, we can have sex with our wife, right? Um, what do young men do? Well, young men love their wife. Wait, they're not married. Yeah. Right. But do you want to be? Yeah. Okay. Love her now. Keep her first. <clears throat> You're cheating on her right now with pornography. Yeah. So you're not a man who deserves a woman right now. You're not a, you're, you're not a one woman man. <coughs> so pursue your wife right now. Even if you've never met her, you haven't even seen her yet. You, that means you have to not look at pornography, not lust after another woman <clears throat> in your heart. And you need friends. You need activities. You need hobbies. And you need the word of God. Yeah. You need to be throwing yourself into those things. You know, working on your career, working on your education, working on your body in the gym, going for runs. That's how you, that's some of the ways that you pursue holiness and defeat lust right now. <clears throat> yeah. I would <coughs> just to add to that too, just from experience and struggling with this, especially I would say in my early twenties, like lots of isolation <laughs> is bad news. When when I'm around community, especially Christian community, especially brothers that I know that love me, and older men that I know that love me and are mentoring me, and I have those relationships, or even being around godly families, that it was helpful to me 
And every time I isolated, it was instant <clears throat> yeah. temptation. Yep. So, the young men, you're you're learning how to train the elephant right now. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. And so you're going to fail a lot, and but you're going to get vic- You can get victory. Okay. You you legitimately can get victory, yeah. and you can become the type of man who, if you saw, um, you know, you get an email and it's got a it's got a porn link in it, and you know it does. You don't click on it. You see it and you move past it, and you don't click on it. Or you somebody porn star messages you on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is, and you can have that control where you don't look at it. But you're learning how to be a one-woman man right now. You're practicing that. And then when you learn how to control yourself with not looking at pornography and not masturbating, then you, when you find the woman, you can actually control yourself with her too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's still lust, and sh- you ain't married yet. And so if you have sex with her, that's sexual morality, and you're practicing sin with her. And so you have to tame the elephant. You have to pummel your body. You have to not have sex with your girlfriend. Then you get married, and on your wedding night, you have sex, and it's amazing. Woohoo! Awesome! It's 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 amazing. Guess what? Now the rest of your life, you still have to use restraint because now you can only have sex with your wife, and you might want to have sex with other people. And so, if a man can't control himself with pornography, and a man and a woman can't control themselves when they're dating, how can they have any confidence that they're going to control themselves when they get married? Mm-hmm. Right? So it's. Your your training it doesn't get easier when you get married. I think that's a lie. Just because you can have sex with your wife doesn't make it easier. No, you know, because most men, it's like you can't have sex every time you want to have sex, or you can't have sex every time you think about sex. Yeah. Can you? So there's opportunities. There's still going to be tons of opportunities to lust. So, so young men are you're training your body right now. You're training your body right now, and that that battle is going to go on for the rest of our life, but there will, and there will be, there'll be wins and there'll be losses. Okay. <clears throat> Anything else? Thanks for sharing that. I yeah. think it's important. That's really good. You bet. So more than a battle by Joe Rigney, pick it up on Amazon or wherever books are sold and maybe work through it with your fight club. Um, I want to be, we want gospel godly men at this church so that the world recognizes us. Let's say it that way, right? So people come to faith and say, our men aren't like the world's men. Yeah. Right? We have godly, strong men. Okay? And you can't, you can't, you know, you can't really swing a sword and kill a, uh, kill a dragon with your pants around your ankles. Nope. Right? It's a little, a little embarrassing. Right? All right. Love you guys. Um, send me any email, justindeen at sacredcitychurch.com. Love you. God bless. God bless.